Welcome to Victory with Paul Doherty, pastor of Victory in Tulsa, Oklahoma. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you at any of our services. Saturday night at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 8.30, 9, and 11 a.m. If you can't visit us, you can watch live on the Victory app, downloadable on the App Store and Google Play. Pastor Paul has a great message for you today, and I believe this message is going to make an impact in your life. I wanna talk to you today about desires, desires, dealing with desires. The reality is all of us in this room have desires. Some of us in this room, we have desires to go eat right after this service. We have desires that this service won't be really long so we can go eat somewhere. We have desires to get back in our pajamas and go to sleep this afternoon. I have a desire, you know, all of us have desires. And some of us in this room that are single, we have a desire to get married this year, to find our mate. Any singles in the house this morning, make some noise. Yeah, look around, you got the frozen chosen in the house. There may be a spouse for you on this cold day in this room. But the married people in the room, desires don't disappear, right? They're right there with us. We have desires to feel loved, desires for intimacy, desires to have our needs met. And did you know desire is a gift from God? Some of us in this room, we've lost any desire for anything. And and so the world has created all kinds of medications to get your desires back up again. And uh, God wants to give us desires that are gonna glorify him. The gift of desire is a gift from God. Desire is not a demonic thing, it's not a satanic thing. Desire is a godly thing. But the way that we go about fulfilling our desires can either be God's way or our way, right? There's two ways to go about getting your desires met. There's God's way or there's your way. And I have desires that, that, you know, If I, even as a pastor, as a Christian, we all have moments in our life, even Jesus did before he went to the cross, he was like, "Ah, I don't know if I wanna do this, let this cup of suffering pass from me. But then he said, nevertheless, not my will, and if you look up the word will in Hebrew, it was desire. Not my desire, but your desire be fulfilled in me. So how many of y'all in this room wanna know more about God's desires for your life and how to find God's desires? Okay, go to Genesis 29. Yes, verse nine, we're gonna look at a guy who had a lot of desires, Jacob. And this whole month, we're kinda looking at Jacob's life. Last week, we started this series, EXO, and uh, it's a series about marriage and dating and relationships and what to do with the desires in your heart. Jacob, in this first part of our series, we found out you know, he had issues. And all of us got issues, and Jacob had to find where his issues were going to be resolved that God had to introduce Jacob to himself and had to restore Jacob's identity instead of being a pretender, instead of faking it to find out who he really was. Well, now we're gonna look at a moment in Jacob's life where he meets this girl. And in Genesis 29, verse nine, all of a sudden Jacob's talking to these guys, he's having a conversation, and this girl comes walking over the hill named Rachel. And Rachel looks Beautiful. When Jacob sees Rachel, he gets the heart eyes, right? He's so excited. And and, and the song comes on in his head. Take my breath away. Take my breath away. Right? Jacob's just hearing this song. He's like, this girl's beautiful. Love at first sight. He can't wait to get with this girl. He's, man, he's got some desires, right? All of a sudden, he's, he's feeling excited. And, and it says in verse 10, when he saw Rachel, he ran over and found this big stone that would take like 10 guys to move, and he moved it all by himself, 
right? Love can give us the power to do things we weren't able to do. And he's showing off in front of Rachel and Rachel is so excited. And it says that Jacob ran over and kissed her. They hadn't even talked. He just goes up and he kisses her and he starts weeping in front of her. He's showing his emotions and she goes home and tells her dad, I met this guy. And he br she brings him into the house and the dad's impressed. He's like, Jacob, you're awesome. We know about you. We're connected to you. And, and then he asks him this question. He says, what do you want? What do you want? Verse 15, he says, I, I want you to hang out here, be a part of my business. You can come work in the family business, but what do you want your reward to be? What wages should I pay you? In other words, what's your desires? Everybody say, what's your desires? And to, today, I wanna ask you that question. What are your desires? What are the desires in your heart? That was the question that the father-in-law was asking, uh, uh, that the future father-in-law was asking Jacob. And Jacob said, well, you have a daughter. And in fact, you have two daughters, but let's not talk about the other daughter. <laughs> he said, I'm interested in your younger daughter. The other one, you know, she, she's all right, but I'm interested in Rachel. And he says, if you will let me work for you for seven years, seven years, I would like to have your daughter Rachel as my wife. And so the father, Laban, he said, okay, that sounds like a good idea. I will give you Rachel, in exchange for you working seven years, but you cannot touch her for seven years. You're gonna have to work hard. She won't be your wife until those seven years are complete. And it says in verse 20, so Jacob served seven years to get Rachel. Everybody say seven years. And let me just pause. Any married people in the room? Raise your hands, married people. There's like one, woohoo. Has it really been that rough? Come on, guys. I'm just kidding. Marriage is awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> How long was your engagement season? Married people, just shout back at me. Six months, 10 months. You had a seven-year engagement? Come on, you are the modern-day Jacob and Rachel right here. In all the services, everyone was like three months, six months. That's incredible. Seven-year engagement? Seven years. Right, I mean, 365 days times seven, Jacob's having to wait for it, but it says that seven years seemed like only a few days because of his love for her. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that scripture just, I mean, it's just powerful that seven years seemed like a few days for Jacob. And I wanna invite my friend Tucker up on stage. I've got a, a team, a tag team preacher with me today. He is a dog, and uh, as he's coming out here, give him a big hand. This dog belongs to some of our staff members, the Gisos, and in and, and fact, Tucker, Tucker has been trained really well. We've got some food. Tucker, look at this. I got the jackpot. Okay, now, she's gonna go away, and I want you, look, look, look. Everybody say, stay. Look at this, Tucker. I got treats for you. Come over here. Come, come. Tucker, Tucker, look. I got the whole, I got all your desires. Tucker, Tucker. Tucker, look, look, look. Okay, one, nice. Nope, look, one. Okay, stay. S nope, Tucker, stay. Lay, lay. Okay, stay. Don't get that desire yet. It's not time yet. You're gonna get that desire soon. Go, 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 get it. Okay, hope, stay, stay. Lay, everybody say lay. lay. Isn't this like God sometimes with us? <laughs> He's like, I know you're really hungry. 
I know you want it, but not yet. Everybody say, wait for it. Here you go, here you go, here you go. Give him a big hand. All right, Tucker. Now we're gonna test you. We're gonna test you right now. Stay, stay right here. Stay, 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 stay. Seven years. We're gonna be in this service for seven years as you're waiting for Rachel. Seven years. Are you ready? Go, 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 go. You did it. Come on, give Tucker a big hand. All right. He's like, where do I go now? I love this scripture in Song of Solomon 8, verse 3. All right. Who let the dogs out? Come on. <laughs> Give them a big hand. I love this scripture in Song of Solomon 8, verse 3. It says, oh, let me warn you, daughters of victory. Oh, let me warn you, sisters in Jerusalem. Oh, let me warn you, married people, single people, do not excite love or stir it up until the time is right and you're ready. Is it possible inside of marriage to have unmet desires? Any married person in the room would say, absolutely, absolutely. There are seasons where desires don't get met. There's moments where desires have a due date. And you have to wait for that due date. And in, in one case, my wife and I were pregnant with our third child. And uh, we have a due date for our baby in April. And we're waiting. We can't rush that desire to be met. Like, come on, baby, just come out right now. No, we want that baby to come out at the right time. Because if you force a desire to be fulfilled outside of its due date, you end up with unnecessary consequences. See, passionate desires without patience lead to unnecessary consequences. So if we're going to control our desires, and by the way, you will either control your desires or your desires will control you. Either we control our desires, either Paul controls his desires or Paul's desires control Paul. And I don't know about you, but I don't wanna be a slave to my desires. I wanna be in the driver's seat. I wanna be in control of the desires in my life. If we're going to control our desires, number one, we need patience. Patience. Notice that the room's like, yeah, good. <laughs> that, because it's a tough thing to do. All of us in this room, we need patience. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, it says, love is impulsive, impatient. No, it says, love is patient. Love knows how to wait. Love knows the art of waiting for desires to be fulfilled. We're in a society right now where the world's trying to figure out what they did wrong because we have people that are just taking advantage of others and, and letting their desires drive them. And so if you're the stronger person in the relationship, you're overpowering the weaker person and people are saying, hold on, foul, that's not right. You can't touch me like that. I didn't give you permission. But we're in a world that doesn't know patience. We're in a world that just, if I have a desire, if I want it, I'm gonna do it. If I wanna drink it, I'm gonna drink it. If I wanna touch, I wanna touch. If I'm gonna cross these boundaries because my fleshly desires are just too hard to say no to. And what's happening is we're, we're being owned by our desires instead of owning our desires. We're becoming slaves to our desires instead of being the master of our desires. And so we, the way that we're going to control our desires is we're gonna get patience. Passion without patience leads to unnecessary consequences. My son, Liam, he loves donuts, right? 
and some of you guys have heard me talk about it, that every time we drive to the donut store, Liam's blood pressure starts rising. He starts chanting in the car, dun, duns, dun, duns, dun, duns, dun, 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 dun. Like, I'm not exaggerating. He is a donut fanatic. And, he, and so we go inside the store and he starts pointing at the maple donuts, the chocolate donuts, the, the, the glazed donuts, the Ninja Turtle donuts. And he's like, I want all the donuts. He's like, feed me, feed me, feed me. Beware of appetites that turn into exaggerated emotions, right? Beware of, of, of when you get these, like sometimes our eyes are bigger than our stomach and we make a bigger deal about a desire. Like if I got that desire met, everything in my life would finally be complete. And what's happening is we're, we're banking our satisfaction on a desire being met that really isn't going to satisfy us because once it's met, we want more donuts. And so Liam, you know, he's pointing at the donuts. So we, we get him like two donuts and we tell him, hey, there's, you know, three minute drive back to the house. We're gonna eat together at the dinner table. It's our off day. We're gonna eat donuts together. That's the worst thing to tell a four-year-old who knows that the donuts are in the car. He's like, I want the donuts now. Let me hold the bag. Please, let me just feel the bag. I just need to feel that white bag. Come on, how many of you have kids that, that can't handle waiting on the donuts, right? Waiting on the food. So he's like, let me hold the bag. We're like, no, we're gonna hold the bag because we know what happens when you hold the bag. You just go all in and just shove it in your face. And there's a reason we don't give those donuts to him because the last time we did it, he made a mess all over the car, my car, Ashley's car, all over himself. There's a reason we know when it's best for him to have the donuts. God knows when it's best for you to have desires met in your life. And at the end of the day, it requires patience on our part. It says in the Bible that the ancestors of our faith inherited the promises of God with faith and patience. That there was this trust that God knows best. He, he knows what's best. And I'm gonna learn the art of waiting. Did you know that the average life in America is 78.2 years? 78.2 years. I don't mean to scare any 78-year-olds in the room. You're gonna live long. But the average American life, scientists have said, is 78.2 years. And did you know 14 of those 78 years are spent waiting? Like actual waiting times, waiting on the phone, right? When people put you on hold, they're like, can you put, be on hold for a minute? And like 20 minutes later, you're still on hold, you know? And, and this happened with us recently. We were on hold with Enterprise, and it's like, please, can we get off the do not rent list? And we're on hold for like an hour, and thank God we're finally able to rent a car now. But, you know, I think about being in waiting lines at Walmart, waiting lines at Walgreens, waiting uh, in traffic, waiting, 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 and how you wait is just as important as what you're waiting on. How you wait the way you wait. Jacob wasn't waiting with this miserable attitude, like I'm never gonna get my wife, I'm so mad at God. Seven years didn't feel like forever for Jacob. It says that seven years felt like only a few days. It's because he had a patience in his heart that he knew what I'm waiting on is worth waiting for. And who I'm becoming is more important than what I'm waiting on. Number two, if we're gonna control our desires, it not only requires patience, but it requires vision, vision. Song of Solomon, chapter eight, verse four, says, do not awaken or arouse love before its due date. Do not awaken love or the desires for intimacy before its due time. There's a due season. It requires vision to be able to see beyond the present and say, instead of taking advantage of my desires in the present and manipulating my, you know, my circumstances to get what I want, 
I'm gonna have a vision that it's worth waiting on. Proverbs 29, 18 says, without a vision, people cast off restraint. Where there's no vision, there's no self-control. Where there's no vision, people settle for anything and sleep with anyone and do whatever they wanna do and have as much sex as they wanna have outside of the boundaries of God's plan. But you know what? Sex is God's idea. It's a gift that God gave us. It's not meant to be silenced in the church. God wants us to talk about it, but he wants us to know that the greatest place, the greatest vision for sex is not out there. It's inside the boundaries of a committed covenant between a man and a woman. This is God's idea. This is where real sex is enjoyed. We got to have a vision for it, though. And if we don't have a vision for it, then we just run wild. We run wild. And our desires are all over the place. Everybody say, get a vision. Get a vision. I remember when Ash and I, we went to a restaurant a few years ago. I think it was Cheddar's Restaurant. And, and when we got in there, they said, it's going to be a 30-minute wait and you know, 30 minutes went by and we're still waiting and we're like, man, please seat us. We're hungry. My appetite is just stirring me. I'm excited. I want spinach dip and chips. I want a chicken Caesar pasta salad. I'm excited about the meal that I'm going to get. And they say, you know, it's, it's almost time. Just keep waiting, keep waiting. And I saw a table open up. I saw, I saw a family get up from a table. I was like, that is ours. That is our table. And Ashley was like, just, just wait, honey. The hostess will take us to whatever table is for us. I was like, babe, the violent take it by force. God, God has called us to take it by force. You know John the Baptist. The violent take it. We gotta, we're going to go after that. We're going to get it in the name of Jesus. We're going to take hold of that table. It's the promise of God. We just got to go after it. And, you know, my impulsive, impatient mindset was just, you know, trying to take the desires. And so I go over there and she's embarrassed. She's like, I'm waiting here. I was like, okay, I'll hold down the fort for us over there. When you're ready, I'll have it ready for us. I'm going over to the table and this waiter says, stop, as I'm getting close. And I was like, why? And she goes, if you sit down, you're gonna sit in someone else's mess that was left behind. You're gonna inherit the mess of the previous customer. She said, let me clean up the table before you sit down. Let me clean up the chair. You're about to sit down in ketchup and mayonnaise and spinach dip. You don't even see what you're about to sit down in. Let me clean it. There's a reason why something hasn't happened yet. And sometimes we try to jump into a relationship and we do missionary dating. We try to get a desire fulfilled and God's like, hold on, let me clean that table up before you sit down. Because I don't want you to step into a mess and I don't want you to make a mess with your own selfish ambitions and desires. Come on. Everybody say, get a vision. My first Valentine's date was in 2002. I had just got my driver's license. I had saved up all my money from mowing lawns for the last few years, and I spent $4,000 of all my money from mowing lawns to buy a Ford Explorer with lightning stripes on the side. I was so excited to go out on a date. I didn't have a girlfriend, so I was trying to figure out who I was gonna take out on a date. And my parents gave me this idea, and so I took this redhead girl out on a date. Her name was Iru Doherty, my grand-grand. And uh, I said, grand-grand, will you come on a date with me? So she got up, and she, she wore a dress. I wore a, a tuxedo. I had a tie on. Man, I looked sharp. I picked her up, gave her a rose. I took her to the Village Inn restaurant. She got, <laughs> it was about a, $30 meal. Hey, I'm rolling on a budget. Come on. I got, she got a, uh, I think it was a Philly cheesesteak. I got a Philly cheesesteak, chocolate shakes. And we sat there and you know what? We talked vision. 
She said, what do you want one day in, in your spouse? What are you, you know, what are you believing for? There's something about inviting the counsel of people who've walked the path to help shape the vision of the kind of marriage you wanna have one day. So many people, we treat marriage like a destination. It's not a destination. Marriage is an introduction to keep growing. Like, we, we go, well, I'm gonna do all the premarital counseling. Once I get married, I don't need any counseling. I don't need any advice. And your spouse is like, yes, you do. Please go to the conference. Please save my husband. And the husband's like, man, I like this preacher until he started talking about marriage and relationships and stuff. But listen, we need this. I need this. I'm preaching to me. If we stop learning and we stop growing just because we got married, man, we're setting ourselves up for a fall. Pride and a haughty spirit is a setup for destruction. If you think you know it all, you don't. I don't. I'm still learning. And so we've got to get a vision and invite the counsel of other people to say, this is a good vision for where you're headed. My parents challenged us at a young age to make a list of the kind of spouse we wanted to marry one day, to make a list of, of what it is we're believing for. And then they said, double the list of who you're going to become for the spouse you're gonna marry one day. Because you don't wanna go into marriage all about your needs being met. At the center of desire is this little letter called I. I, I want, I need, I want someone to be this for me. But you know what, if we're gonna own our desires, we're switching from a selfish mindset to a servant mindset. We're not just having a vision about what I want, we're having a vision about who I can be for somebody else. The kind of spouse I wanna be to serve someone else. Everybody say, get a vision. vision. Number three, to control our desires, we've gotta have a trust in God's timing. We gotta have a trust in God's timing. I love what David said in Psalm 27, 13. He said, I would have lost heart unless I believed that God's goodness was going to come to pass in my future. I would have lost hope during the unfulfilled desires and unmet expectations in my lifetime. David was told when he was 16, you're gonna be king one day. But you know what, it was 16 years before that vision came to pass. David had a dream of leading Israel and, 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 and God had a timing for it that was different than maybe David's time. And he said, the only way I made it during the seasons of unmet expectations, unfulfilled desires, is because I trusted that God's timing was best. I trusted that God knew when I needed the desires in my life to be met and the desires that I didn't need, he was going to remove from me. Search me, oh God. Remove anything from me that's not of you. What if we started praying those kinds of prayers instead of demanding, God, I want my donuts. God, I want to get married. God, I want kids. God, I want this. God, I want that. What if we said, God, not my will, but your will be done. God, not my timing, but your timing. See, if we're going to control the desires in our heart, we got to have a trust in God's timing. There's things in my life that aren't met yet. There's desires I have, dreams, hopes in my heart that haven't been met. I remember after my father passed that night, I heard God say, serve your mom, serve the church and get ready because you're going to pastor and lead this ministry. And I thought, God, I'm too young. I'm unqualified. I'm insecure. I got all these issues. There's no way you could use imperfect people. And God was like, look in the Bible, son. Everybody I used was imperfect. So I was like, okay, true, true, true. And time went on, and a year later, after my father passed, my mom sat down with me and some board members, and they said, Paul, you're gonna be the future pastor of Victory, but it's gonna be a season of, it's gonna be a process of waiting and developing 
and preparing and meeting with mentors and sitting down with people that can help shape who you're called to be because the way you wait is more important than what you're waiting on. And we want you to step in at the right time. God will not promote you if you don't have the character to handle the promotion that you're waiting on. There's a reason why you haven't seen that desire met. It's because God says, I'm still developing your character. I'm still teaching you to celebrate others instead of just wanting to celebrate yourself. I'm still teaching you to not be jealous and compare yourself to everybody. I'm not gonna give you a platform until you got the character to handle the platform that you're waiting on, right? And so I remember during those years, there was times where I felt ready. You know, my mom would look at me and she'd say, you feel ready? I'd be like, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. She's like, he ain't ready, you know? (laughs) She's like, you need to grow, right? You need to grow. What do we do while we wait? What do we do? How do we we develop trust? Man, it happens during worship. It happens in the presence of God. I love seeing people during the ministry time just come down to the stage weeping, just releasing desires and saying, God, it's it's your time. My life is in your hands. When you want these desires met, when you want me to get married, when you want me to get that promotion at the company, when you want this book to be written, this dream to be launched, it's in your hands. We've gotta have a trust in God's timing. I don't know about you, but I like A and I like Z. I'm not a huge fan of LMNOP. I like the beginning and I like the ending. I like to initiate things and I like to see those things finished, but I'm not a huge fan of the LMNOP stage. I'm not a huge fan of that middle ground where we're just waiting and waiting. Some of us are trying to force something to happen, force a relationship, force a desire, force a promotion, force something to, so our needs are met and God's saying, wait, wait, be patient, trust me, trust that I know the best timing for that desire to be met. Passion without patience leads to unnecessary consequences. Don't mistake this waiting season as a curse. It's not a curse. It's God's blessing. It's God's blessing. There's a reason why I didn't sit down at that table at Cheddar's. It's because it wasn't ready yet. Which leads me to my fourth point right here, and that's self-control. Self-control. Galatians chapter five, verse 13. The same guy who talks about grace, 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 talks about control. Because grace is not a license to do whatever your flesh wants to do. That's not grace. That's not freedom. That's slavery. That's bondage to sin. And what's happened is the enemy's tried to seep into the church to use grace as this opportunity to just let our our hormones and our desires just run wild and no vision and no boundaries and no self-control, no restraints. And the world has pushed God out of public schools and the Bible out of schools and trying to control what morals and values are pushed and that's not absolute truth. It's true to you, but it's not true to me. And then they're trying to figure out now, today, Hollywood's on stage trying to figure out what's right and what's wrong. It's because they don't know that the Bible actually gives us boundaries that set us up for blessings. Boundaries are not a curse. Boundaries are blessings for your marriage, for your life as a single. And Paul says in Galatians 5, verse 13, he says, you, my brothers and sisters at Victory, he's preaching to the church in Galatia, he says, you're called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the fleshly desires. Rather, switch from doing what you wanna do to serving others humbly in love. And love is pure. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not take what isn't is to take. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires, everybody say desires. 
desires of the flesh. For the flesh wills and desires what is contrary to the spirit. Paul's talking to Christians here. It would be foolish for us to think that there's not something inside of us that wants to do the wrong thing, right? I know we're a faith-filled church. We don't like to admit that you know, we have some things in our life that God's still working out, but Paul says, look, I get it. I can relate to you. There's a part of me that wants to do all the right things, that wants to serve God, pray for people, love people, but there's also this fleshly side of me that even though I've got a perfect spirit man that's sanctified and, and, is, and is justified and is right with God, I'm also still covered in flesh. I haven't yet ascended to heaven. I'm still living on earth, and I got flesh that's at war with my spirit. There's the good part of me that's like, do the right things. There's the bad part of me that's like, I'm jealous of her. I'm comparing myself to them. I wish I had what they had. I wish I could do it. That's not God. And there's this war within godly desires, human desires. God's desires, fleshly desires. And, and for those of us in this room that say, well, I don't know, that's not me. I don't have any wrong desires, Paul. I'm doing all good. I wanna be in the car with you when someone cuts you off in traffic out in this parking lot, when you're on the highway and you're in the left lane and someone gets in front of you driving 20 miles below the speed limit. I wanna hear what you shout, what you're excited. I desire to bless them, Paul. I desire to say thank you for getting in front of me and driving so slow. Thank you for getting in the left lane. I love you. Yeah, right, you're like, get out of the left lane, you know? But there's a desire inside of us. And Paul says, this is normal. The flesh desires what's contrary to the spirit. The spirit, what is contrary to the flesh, they're in conflict with each other. And the, and the flesh desires sexual immoral things, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions in the church, factions, I'm for team, this person, I'm for team, that. It's idolatry, it's witchcraft, it's demonic. Desire is a gift from God, but the devil loves to get inside something that's good and pervert it to be used for something that's self-destructive. So Paul says, I say flee from all of that. Get rid of that and switch to the fruit of the Spirit. Yield to the Holy Spirit and he'll give you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness in your marriage, gentleness in relationships. You're not overpowering girls. You're not, over, you're not manipulating guys. You're not crying to get your way and get out of things and do things that you wanna do. And he'll give you self-control. He'll give you self-control, the ability to control yourself. God wants you to control your desires. He doesn't want your desires controlling you. It's sad and it's a story that I can't really get into, but in Genesis 34, there's this moment where Jacob has a daughter that very few people know about. We all know about Jacob's 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel. I've never heard a sermon about Jacob's daughter. I thought about preaching about his daughter this weekend, but it's too deep and it's too intense and I, I, and I would have had to rate it PG-13, close to R possibly, and tell you to leave all your kids in children's church. But the bottom line is something bad happens to her something really bad. And in return, her brothers take all their vengeance out on the people that, that did it. And it's bloody and it's destructive and it's sad. And it's all because there was a lack of self-control around Genesis 34, that Dinah's dilemma, that there was men that didn't know how to control themselves. And man, I feel like right now, Dinah's dilemma is just repeating itself in America and around the world, that there's this there's this inability to control our desires. 
And the way that we get control is by yielding to the Holy Spirit. When I am weak, he is strong. Who has not been tempted? Jesus can sympathize with our temptation. Number five, we have to have a discernment to bust the lie of lust. Once we get that thing that we're lusting after, it's not enough. So to bust the lie of lust, you gotta have discernment. Paul had this discernment. He could cut the clarity to see through situations. What would happen in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12, he says, just because I can do something doesn't mean it's best for me. Just because I have the strength as a man to do what I wanna do in this relationship doesn't mean it's best for me or for her. Just because I have the strength to manipulate my way in the company to get what I want and to, and to kiss up to this person and to find a position there and to, and to take something outside of its context and timing that God has for me, just because I could fulfill my desires my way doesn't mean it's beneficial for me or my destiny. What's permissible is not always beneficial. And you might say, well, Paul, I mean, come on. We all kind of do what we wanna do. If I wanna drink something, I'm gonna drink it. If I wanna shoot something, I'm gonna shoot it. If I wanna smoke something, I wanna smoke it. Is it benefiting your destiny? You've gotta have the discernment, like Paul, to say, wait, 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 just because I can doesn't mean I should. And my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Either your body is a public park or a private garden. And when you realize your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, you stop just giving it out. And you stop just letting desires control you. Paul says, flee from all of that. People who've given way to immorality, they've been desensitized in their mind. They've been darkened in their hearts towards God. They've lost all sensitivity to know what's right and what's wrong. So Paul calls us back to this place of getting our eyes back on Jesus, which is number six, call on Jesus. If you're gonna, if you're gonna own the desires instead of being owned by your desires, you've got to call. I've gotta call on Jesus. This message is for me as much as it is for you. I cannot do it. My charisma is not enough. My background's not enough. My last name's not enough. My strength is not enough. My education's not enough. Nothing is enough on my own. But with Jesus, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm nothing without Christ. I'm nothing. Oh, what a wretched man I am without Jesus. But when Jesus came in, he made me more than a conqueror. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. Amen. Hebrews 2 verse 18 says, when you're tempted, when you're tempted, look to Jesus, call on Jesus. Because Jesus suffered, he was tempted, he can help you. He wants to help you. In Hebrews 3, verse 1, it says, so let us fix our eyes and our thoughts on Jesus. When you're feeling tempted by your desires, when your desires are trying to own you, get your thoughts, just change your thoughts. Just say, Lord, help me to fix my thoughts on Jesus. Paul said, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Christ Jesus. You know what happens when we call on Jesus? We find contentment even without our desires being met. Paul said this in Philippians 4.11, I've learned the secret to be content. I've learned how to be content even when my desires aren't met. What if you could say that in marriage? I've learned to be content even when he's not meeting my desires. So I'm not gonna be falling for the guy in the office that's saying your husband should be paying more attention to you. He doesn't like you, he doesn't treat you well. Let me treat you better. This is where affairs start. 
It's when you don't have met desires in your marriage and so you start finding those desires of affirmation and acceptance and someone who's cheering you on. She doesn't believe in you like I do. You're so awesome. You're so awesome. You're so handsome. Stop. When you look to Jesus, you can find contentment even when your desires aren't met. Paul says, I've learned the secret to be happy. I've learned the secret to be content. Whether I have all my desires met, whether I have plenty to feed my appetites, or whether I have nothing, whether I'm well-fed or whether I'm hungry, whether I'm living in abundance or whether I'm living still with lack in those desires and those wants. And here's the secret, here's the key. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The secret to owning your desires instead of being owned by your desires is looking to Jesus. I believe right now, those that are watching online and in this place, God's gonna give you strength for the desires you're waiting to be fulfilled. Not just desires relationally, but desires at your career, desires in school, desires for scholarship, desires for your kids to see you know, certain things, desires one day to get married, desires to have kids. And God doesn't want us to lose our desires. He wants us to redirect our desires. He doesn't want us to lose the passion, the excitement. He wants us to redirect it. Number seven, final point here, channel your desire towards your destiny. Channel your desire towards your destiny. Paul said in Ephesians four, I love this chapter, one of my favorite chapters in the New Testament. He said, there is a way to live. And I wanna remind you that the way I've called you to live is to put off the old desires. Put away everything that's not of Christ and put on the new attitude. Get rid of the deceitful desires of the flesh and put on the new desires, the desires to be like God, the desires to be holy, the desires to be righteous, the desires to say no to the things that are only going to destroy your soul. And he says, for those of you that have been speaking falsehood, I don't want you to stop using your mouth because using your mouth, that desire to use your mouth is a good desire, but I want you to channel the desire to use your mouth. Instead of speaking lies, I want you to channel the desire to use your mouth to speak truth. Instead of using your mouth to put others down, I want you to channel the same passion and energy you use to insult your family, to be sarcastic with people, to speak down to people. Don't stop using your mouth but channel your mouth now to start building others up, to start speaking words of life. Now channel your desires to bring hope into places where there's no hope. Paul's saying, I'm not telling you to lose passion, to lose desire. I'm telling you that same desire to have sex, that same desire, don't lose that, but channel that desire to be a servant leading up towards marriage so that when the sex comes, it comes in the right boundaries and it's fulfilling and it's exciting and it's pure and it's in a covenant and it's not manipulative and it's not abusive and it's not physically overpowering. Channel your desires towards your destiny. If you believe you have a destiny of greatness, a destiny to see God's plan fulfilled in your life, channel your desires. He says, for those who've been stealing, in, in verse 28, he says, anyone who's been stealing, I'm not telling you to stop using your hands. I'm saying channel your hands instead of stealing stuff to start sharing stuff, to start working and finding ways to serve those around you. I want you to stand your feet all over this place. God wants you to have desires that are gonna bring him glory. Psalm 37 verse four says that God wants to give you the desires of your heart. I think some of us in this room, we've, we've lost desire. We're here right now and we don't really have any desires. 
You know, the world makes all kinds of medicines to help men and women get the desire back. It's a billion dollar business, get your desire back. Did you know what though? The greatest desires in the world are the desires that are birthed from the Holy Spirit. There was a season where God was teaching me to let go of the desires for certain things. Man, if I'm really honest, like five, six years ago, I had a desire to be up on this stage, to be preaching every week, to be traveling and preaching. And it was birthed out of selfish ambition. If I'm really honest, it was like there was some selfish ambition there. And God said, I'm, I'm going to pull that out of you. I'm gonna remove that so that when you are doing this, you're not doing it from a selfish motive. You're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it for the Holy Spirit. You're doing it because God birthed it. There's a reason why you haven't seen what you wanna see yet. I don't know what it is, but God knows what it is. He wants to give you the desires of your heart, but he doesn't want your desires birthed out of motives that aren't really pure. He wants those desires to be birthed and soaked in a pure, just beautiful place. And right now, all over this room, if you'll bow your heads, close your eyes, God wants to give you desires. He wants to meet your desires. He wants you, for the singles in the room, he wants you to have an incredible marriage. He wants you to get married. He wants, he has the right timing, he has the right person. He has everything you're waiting on. For the married people in the room, he doesn't want you to be at an arrived mindset. He wants to birth new desires inside your heart to be who he's called you to be, to learn, to grow, to seek out more wisdom, to become more and more the husband, the wife that he's called you to be. God never wants us to arrive while we're still breathing, to act like there's nothing more to learn, there's nowhere else to grow. God wants us to constantly be growing and asking for his help. Maybe you're here right now and you've been waiting on a miracle. You've been waiting in your career for a promotion. You've been waiting to be noticed. You've been waiting for, for for someone to give you that opportunity and, and it's been hard. Maybe you're here right now and you're in the middle of element OP. You've, you've started the A, but you're waiting on the Z. You're in that middle season. You need strength. Maybe you say, Paul, this message is, is good. I know I need to control my desires, but I'm, I'm weary while I'm waiting and, and I, I need hope. I need strength to wait with passion, to wait, not in a miserable attitude, but to wait with faith to wait with joy, to make the most of my waiting time. Like Jacob, that seven years would feel like a few days. I need to learn the art of waiting. I need strength. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you, just raise your hand. If you just need strength while you're waiting on things to come to pass, career things, career things, professional things, spiritual things, marital things, relational, whatever it is. Yeah, hands going up all over this room. Lord, give me strength. Yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, yes. Help me not to take it in my own strength. Help me not to force something outside of your will. Help me not to push something before it's due date. Jesus, teach me to wait. Secondly, you're here and you say, Paul, I need God to birth some godly desires in my heart. I need God to redirect my desires. I need him to stir up some godly desires in my heart. Maybe you, you're here right now and you just need God's desires. You're saying, not my will, but thy will be done. Just like Jesus said, not my desires, but God's desires. Be birthed in me, be fulfilled. If that's you, raise your hand. You're saying, Lord, I need you to, to change my desires, change my desires. Whatever it is, he's changing those habits, those cycles, those things that you've been wanting. You're saying, God, I'm laying this at your feet. I don't know if I'm supposed to have it. I don't. I, maybe I know I'm not supposed to have it, but I need your help to release it, to remove it. God, give me pure desires. 
Last but not least, you're here and you say, Paul, I'm not right with Jesus. But I want to get right. I want to surrender. I want to repent. And I want to receive forgiveness. I want the Holy Spirit to give me self-control. I want those fruits of the Spirit. I want Him to be Lord of my life. Today is your day. If that's you, just raise your hand. All over this room, if you're watching online, yes, sir, yes, yes, yes. Awesome, awesome. If you raised your hand or should have raised your hand, would you just leave your seat for any of those things? Just come and join me at this altar. Come on down to this altar and just, just make a declaration today. God, I'm going forward. God, I'm moving forward. I'm, I'm channeling my desires towards my destiny. Yeah, cheer on every brave man, every brave woman, every couple, every family, every daughter, every son that says, God, change my desires, break the bad habits, heal my marriage. God, help me to be restored. Maybe you wanna come down to this altar with your spouse. Maybe you wanna come down today as a prayer for your spouse. Maybe you're believing for healing, believing for restoration. This is your moment with God. He's marked a date on the calendar. This is your Valentine's date with God. You're saying, God, I want you. Less of me, more of you. I must decrease, you must increase. Your will, your way, your desire. Let's just worship God in this place, all over this room. right now there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus I've blown it I've missed it I've rushed things but God's grace has washed me with the blood of Jesus he's been faithful to give me mercies new every morning I had a friend in the last service who when he was in high school and college he got a girl pregnant outside of marriage and had a child and he felt so ashamed. There was, there was a long time where he was ashamed to really come into church and, and yet at Victory, man, we're all, we all walk in here with all kinds of backgrounds and all kinds of sins that we've committed and yet we serve a perfect God. No perfect people allowed here, only imperfect people serving a perfect savior. But you know that the enemy tries to make us feel guilty and ashamed. And so God began working in his heart just to say, shame off you, shame off you, shame off you. 
And you know, God blessed. He married a girl. Today they have four children, beautiful. God's restored everything the devil tried to steal, gave them pure love in their marriage. And you know, God can do anything that we just bring to him and say, God, I know I missed it in some seasons of my life. Maybe even this last Friday night, you missed it. Maybe even last night, Saturday night, you say, man, if I'm honest, I missed it. But you know what? At Victory, this is a place of grace. This is a place where we invite you to receive forgiveness through Jesus and to say shame off you. God has a brand new start for you, a, a hopeful future. He wants to give you purity in exchange for whatever sins you've committed. He wants to give you grace in exchange for your shame. He wants to give you forgiveness in exchange for condemnation. He's saying, don't carry that any longer. Bring it to the altar. If you're carrying shame right now, just leave your chair. Come down to this altar. I'm believing that today, God's about to break shame off of your mind, off of your heart. Don't come in this church uh, another day feeling ashamed. You are forgiven, you are loved. God has washed your past and he has empowered your future. And he says, you are my daughter, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. God's just happy to see you at church today, to see you desiring more of him. So Lord, I pray for every person here today. I pray God that you give us strength and patience on the journey. God, I pray Lord for shame to be broken off of any person here today that feels like they've missed it. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you'd give us patience. I pray in Jesus' name, God, right now for my brothers and sisters, my family. God, I thank you, Lord, that you're with us while we're waiting and you're giving us strength to, to wait, God. Lord, with an attitude of faith, with an attitude of joy, with an attitude of hope. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are faithful. Lord, I thank you no weapon formed against them shall prosper. Any tongue that rises against them shall be condemned. I pray, God, for those that are waiting on miracles in their health, miracles in their marriage, miracles in their family. And God, I thank you, Lord, that you can fulfill our desires. Just pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I'm all yours. I surrender. Not my desires, but your desires be fulfilled in my life. I repent of sin and I receive forgiveness. No more shame, no more guilt, no more condemnation. I am forgiven. My future is bright. My best days are right in front of me. And I have self-control and I have patience. And I am content, even right now, before the desires are fulfilled. I am content through Christ who strengthens me. Thank you, Jesus, that you fulfill my desires. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, he's gonna do it, he is doing it. Thank him in advance. I love you, Victory. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for listening to Victory with Paul Doherty. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you at any of our services, Saturday night at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 8.30, 9, and 11 a.m. If you can't visit us, you can watch live on the Victory app, downloadable on the App Store and Google Play. Remember, your best days are right in front of you.